Praise God. I just want to ask if you'd remain standing for just a little longer as we go to pastor's text this morning from Zechariah 4, 6 through 9. Zechariah 4, 6 through 9. Then we're going to jump over to John 14, 12 through 16. John 14, 12 through 16. Here we go. Zechariah 4. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. John 14. 12 through 16. 
John 14, 12 through 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give un you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Lord, we're thankful for your word, and I pray for liberty as pastor delivers it. I pray, God, our hearts be open to your word that you have for us this morning. And I pray that your will be done in this place, in and through us, in and through our pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Zach. You may be seated this morning. It's so good to see this congregation out worshiping the Lord. What a wonderful presence of the Lord we felt in the building today. And before I get into the word of the Lord, I would like to just say tonight, uh, we want everybody to come out. We got a special treat for the congregation. One of our own missionaries, not just a missionary, but one of our own missionaries from El Salvador is gonna be with us speaking tonight. And I would like uh, Janice, would, Janice Watkins, one of our own, would you just stand please? That she'll be ministering tonight. She's got a great word of the Lord. And we're looking forward to seeing her. She's excited about the message tonight. She's gonna be telling you about some of the miracles that's transpiring over in El Salvador and what's going on in her ministry. And we wanna continually support that ministry. She's a great woman of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit, taking El Salvador by storm. Amen, in Jesus' name. We wanna get right into the word of the Lord today. We want you to get blessed. Uh, I know that we're living in some unprecedented times. We are sitting around and we're wondering what in the world is going on in our world and everything seems to be coming apart at the seams. Uh, I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. I'm here to give you hope today. So much of the time we can focus on the doom and gloom and we forget about who's on the throne. Can I have an amen? And so today we're gonna to give you a word of encouragement, a word of hope of what's taken place. You know, the verses in our text in the book of John are some of our favorite verses as Pentecostals. We have learned to preach them with passion and we've learned to preach them with power, but sometimes I don't know if we fully understand the full extent of the meaning of what he's actually conveying to us in that passage. We as Pentecostals are attracted to the power and the authority that is definitely revealed within the scripture. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father and we like that part about ask anything in my name and I'll do it. We like that and yes and all of that is true. Jesus told his disciples that he would send them another comforter that would abide with them forever when he departed from this earth. The word another is a Greek word that means one of the self same sort. In other words, it's one just like Jesus Christ. The same Lord that empowered his disciples and the early church with an apostolic anointing to do the work of the kingdom ministry, even so God through the person of the Holy Spirit will anoint the modern day church that we live in, in the same, with the same apostolic anointing to do the same kingdom ministry that he initiated at the very beginning. How many believe that? That same Lord. We know this because the promise of the coming comforter was promised to abide with the church forever. There will never be a time when the church will have to operate or live without the anointing and the empowerment and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's God's promise to us. He said, I'm gonna pray to the Father, Jesus said, he's gonna send you that another comforter that he'll abide with you forever. And that another, again, is the one of the self 
same sword. Everything you've seen in Jesus Christ, you see through the power of the Holy Spirit. When it talked about how that Jesus went around healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God was with him, he was anointed of the Holy Spirit, that same anointing and that same Holy Spirit is amongst us today through the free gift of God called the Holy Spirit of God. God has given us, no doubt about it, dunamis, which is the Greek word to describe power within the scripture. Acts 1 and 8, the Bible says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and even under the uttermost parts of the earth. There will never be a time when the church will have to operate and live, thank God, without that, uh, that anointing and empowerment and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it, and we are living today in perhaps, probably, some of the most exciting and most significant times in history since the first century, even from the beginning of the start of the church. You think, you think times were exciting back then? Get ready, folks, because things is accelerating in the spirit world at such an extent that you'd have to be blind if you did not see what was going on. You think the early church had some great things happen? Get ready to see what the last day church is about to do. Can I have an amen? You think that books of Acts was exciting? You ain't seen nothing yet, honey. God's about to blow this earth up with the glory and the presence of his Holy Spirit being poured out upon the church. Many modern day theologians who study current affairs and compare them with the New Testament times, they are all saying the same thing. They are seeing what they, what they see shaping up in our day is a movement of Christ through his church that will be larger and greater than what happened literally in the book of Acts. That's what they're saying. There is growing evidence that we are entering into a new apostolic age. What does that mean? This is where the ministry gifts of God are going to function greater and more powerful and there's going to be more authority than any other time in the past 2,000 years. I'm excited about what God's doing in these last days. New areas are going to break open where the gospel of Jesus Christ has never penetrated before. Those areas that were closed up and locked up and sealed up by the enemy, they're going to be opened in the name of Jesus Christ. Those areas that were untouched, those areas that were unsaved, God's about to break open. Can I have an amen? And he's about to go into places and he's about to change our world. Influential men and women are going to get saved that will lead a spiritual revolution. I'm here to proclaim that by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know right now as I preach, there is an apostolic generation being birthed right now and God's about to release that young bunch upon this earth and they're about to take it by storm. God's doing this in the church world. They're gonna be a force to actually be reckoned with and they will overthrow the strongholds of wickedness that the enemy has built within our land. The enemy thinks he's really done havoc upon the earth, but I got news for him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the earth is his footstone and the throne is where he sits. Can I have, he's in charge. All power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. How many believe that here today? It's not a war up earth. It's not a dead earth. God's about to do something presidential in our, in our time and in this generation. We always talk about, oh, look at what David did and look at what Moses did as splitting the Red Sea and, and look at the Shadrach, Meshach. Well, hallelujah. You know what's fixing to be said? Look what Joe's doing. Look what Sam's doing. Look what Susie's doing. Look like, oh, Abraham. come on somebody. God's going to reach this generation with the power and the anointing of 
the Holy Spirit of God, if you believe that. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I got news for you. The systems of darkness will give way to a new system of righteousness within the land. I'm tired of darkness seeming to be the dominant force. I'm here to declare that darkness is weaker than light. Light shines in darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it. Light is greater and mightier than darkness. It invades darkness and darkness has to flee. Can I have an amen? Areas that have been cold and resistant to the move of God for decades and perhaps even centuries in some cases are going to break wide open through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Even while I speak, this is already happening in some parts of the world. The church is seeing thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of Muslims coming to Christ in the hostile environment where there's persecution upon the Christians even to the point of death. But death can't stop them. They just keep preaching and they just keep proclaiming and Muslims keep getting saved and Muslims keep getting delivered and those third world countries that's had a stronghold and a grip of their false doctrines. They're coming down through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, does somebody believe what I'm preaching here today? Woo, hallelujah. In this emerging apostolic generation, we can expect to see a significant increase in signs, wonders, and miracles accompanying the proclamation and the preaching of the gospel and the ministry of the church. When the church goes out, it's not going out dead with just words that fall on deaf ears, but they're going out under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I believe, you know what I believe in my spirit? It just dropped in my spirit the other day when I was praying and when I was just driving down the road. It just fell in into my spirit. I believe that we're fixing to see abortion abolished. I believe there's gonna be a turnaround. Hallelujah. How many, if you believe that, stand to your feet and give God praise. Abortion coming down. Our children have been sacrificed at the altar of Baal long enough. It's gonna come to an end in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Many new and strong churches will be established while at the very same time many lukewarm churches will close its doors and Ichabod will be rolled over the door and called the glory of God to depart because this is a time that the wheat and tear are being separated. Can I have an amen? The rising of the new apostolic age will usher in a great worldwide revival unlike anything that has ever occurred on earth before. Some signs have already begun to appear in certain places around the world. Another sign, now listen to me, this is where it hits home with us. Another sign that God is at work and doing new things is the increase of activity by the powers of darkness. Wherever the lights increases, the darkness in increases also in an effort to try to blot it out, hide it out, conceal it, to try to make it to go unnoticed. And the problem with the church is God can do so many good things in the church and one little bad thing happens, everybody focuses on the bad. Everybody's always focused on what's going wrong and not what's going right. Folks, open your eyes. Though the world seems to be shifting and shaking and evil things are happening, God is on the rise. God's come off the throne. Somebody needs to help me preach in this. I, I want to tell you. 
Look around and you'll find five or 10 or 20 or 30 or maybe 100 things going wrong at the palace. But if you'll look close enough, you'll see God walking the aisles of the palace. And you'll see God reaching to the hearts of men and women. You'll see God reaching down to the very depth and core of sin and rot and decay. And he's speaking the words, be delivered, be healed, be whole, be saved, rise up. I'm tired of the doom and gloom and defeat of the world. Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I have an amen? We, whenever the light increases, the darkness is going to increase also to combat it, to try to come against it. And this is one of the reasons why we're witnessing today an unprecedented attack upon traditional biblical values and morals like never before. The traditional family's under an assault like it's never been before with legalized abortion that we just talked about killing millions of our unborn babies, stopping the whole generations. Come on, wiping their talents and their giftedness out. And then if they can't kill the child, then they try to warp the child's thinking process in their minds by changing their identity through gender change. Come on. This keeps the child from understanding who they are and the purpose in which they were created and birthed. They warp now. They lose their purpose and their identity. The home is is also assaulted by the legalizing of same-sex marriages where children are exposed to the abomination of immorality that's shaping their value and their belief system. We also see religious freedoms is being undermined everywhere, everywhere you look. In general, persecution of Christians is on the rise, not only in third world countries, but right here in America. Christians all over America are losing their jobs just because they will not agree or bow to this culture or embrace the world's philosophies. And that's scary at times. And due to having a moral compass and an absolute truth that guide and govern us, their secular voices are calling us intolerant and racist. And we look around at the affairs and the conditions of our world. And when you look at such things, if you're not careful, you'll become fearful and discouraged. You'll sit around and think, oh, you want to back up and say, huh, I dare not stand up for that because if I do, I'll get persecuted over here. I could lose my job. I could lose my finances. I could, come on, we're all facing that right now. We must remember that this increase in satanic activity, though, is a response to the increase of God's activity in the earth. What you're seeing in a negative form, you ought to be opening your eyes and see in a positive form. Because just as Satan is moving in the last days, knowing he has but a short time, God's on the move as well. Oh, somebody help me preach that. Just like God told when Elisha, when his servant came to him, they were completely surrounded by the Syrian army and said, oh Lord, master, we're overcome. The Syrians, they have come around us and there's more than them than there be of us, help us. And oh, the prophet just said, oh, open his eyes that he might see. And he prayed a little prayer. And the servant went back out and seen horses and chariots afar around about the prophet. And he said, surely there'll be more for us than there is for them. 
And can I tell you, with all that is going on, there be more for us than there are for them. Can I have an amen? As God enables and empowers his people in a new and a fresh ways, and as Christ mobilizes the church to go into the offense and a new apostolic anointing, the forces of the enemy are going to come against us in greater measures and greater ways than we've ever seen before. And that's okay. But even though the enemy will fight and try to stop the move of the Spirit of God across the land, yet the power that overcome the resistance of the early church that fought against that church and fought against the birth of it, started against the start of that same power that helped them overcome that resistance is the same power that the church is going to close out with. Are you listening to me? The same God that birthed and started the church is the same God that's about to finish the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hebrews 12 and 2 says that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not just the author and the starter of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. Paul said in Philippians 1 and 6, being confident, being assured, you can be confident in this very thing. He which begun a good work in you, he's the one that's gonna perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. With this new apostolic generation, we're not only going to see history repeat itself, but we're going to see it be repeated in a greater form. As a matter of fact, what the Lord did before, he's getting ready to do again in greater measures. Only this time, it will not be with only 12 people who turned the world upside down in their little region, but it'll be with thousands. This is why that Jesus said in John 16 and 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, that comforter will not come, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. The kingdom of God is not just limited to Jesus' human body and a few hand-picked disciples any longer, but now the kingdom of God is manifested in every blood-bought, born-again child of God around this world. And what Jesus initiated and started with just 12 men, we now, as his corporate spiritual body called the church, is to mimic and fulfill his purposes upon the earth. And the anointing of God is no longer limited to a geographical area, but now it is a global church. Due to the church being established all around the world. We got brothers in China. We got brothers in Iran. We got brothers in Russia. We got brothers in Ukraine. We got, bro- come on somebody. This thing ain't just about 12 hand-picked men around the area of Israel and Judea and Samaria. No, 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 no. It is a global movement. It is a worldwide movement. And them third world countries that have lived in darkness for years, a light is beginning to appear all over and the western culture that where we have funded missionaries for years and years it's taken root in places right there is a prime example of it she's a lot in El Salvador taking it by storm and let me tell you those areas that once were held enslavement to idolatry and witchcraft and evil spirits and demonic possession oh they're falling by by the wayside because the church of Jesus Christ is being mobilized in the last day it's not just going going to be a western thing it's going to be a worldwide move of God can I have an amen the apostolic anointing is coming upon the church again and it's going to rise up with a fresh empowerment I'm here to proclaim the winds of the spirit are blowing again the winds of Pentecost is blowing again amen the church is going to move forth in a new confidence and authority like we've never had in boldness and faith and favor to tear down strongholds. And it's going to change climates and images. It's going to shift powers. 
and it's going to do it in an unprecedented scale to form a spiritual culture in place of a hostile demonic culture. God's flipping it. Places that were dead are about to blossom again. The deserts are going to be oases. The barren are going to be fruitful again. The rough places are going to be made smooth. The crooked places are going to be made straight. And the mountains are going to become as a plain. Bars are going to be turned into churches. And abortion clinics are going to be turned into revival centers. And adult entertainment places are going to be turned into a place of deliverance and counsel. Are you ready to see that? You say, oh, pastor, you've lost your mind. Oh, no, I haven't. You gotta dare believe with me because the Lord promised me, ask anything in my name and where two of you agree on earth concerning anything, it'll be done in heaven. Yeah. Amen. The same question that was asked in Zerubbabel's day is also being asked in our day concerning the rebuilding of the church. We know the church was built, birthed on the day of Pentecost. And it's went through the hot heat of persecution and it was scattered to the four winds of the earth. It's been under an attack. It's been beaten and bruised and battled. Come on, how many knows what I'm talking about? But now at the closing dispensation of this church, this generation has got a, a commission, a, a, a call, a mandate that the earlier believers don't have. The early believers, their call was to start the church. Those in the in-between of the last days, they were called there to preserve the church, to enhance the church. We're called to be able to get the church to a place and bring it to a closure. We're coming to the closing end of what we call the church age, the dispensation of grace. Zechariah 4 and 7 says, Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof was shouting, grace, 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 and I can tell you, I'm not gonna get done. I feel the Holy Ghost here. When Zerubbabel was trying to have the temple rebuilt, he found great opposition in his attempt to rebuild it. The mountain that stood before him symbolizes the very things that it, that, that, uh, it does today. The mountain symbolizes every resistant power. Just like Zerubbabel's day, our day is also faced with great, great obstacles. Look around us, man. Our world is something else, isn't it? They appear... Just like in, in, in Zerubbabel's day, these resistant forces, they appear in the form of spiritual mountains of difficulty that seems insurmountable and unmovable. How many of you look around and say, oh my goodness, there's just no hope? How many look around and see things happening and you think, my, my, there's no changing that. What can I do? I'm tired of the church saying that. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Come on, somebody. We're more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Somebody say amen. We're not the tail. We're the head, Bubba. We're the, we're the salt of the earth. We're the preserver here. Have we forgotten that we're light? And we're sitting around in our world thinking we don't have the power to change. I'm here to tell you, this congregation is changing Popper Bluff. It's happening right now as I speak. Look around us. This is a miracle. Look at the people being saved. Look at the people being delivered. Look at what's taking place in our ministries. Things are happening in our congregation. And so much time we're so closed-minded to what God is doing that we can't see any good. All we're focusing on all the world and we're thinking, oh, we're falling. We're, 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 we're falling apart and we're going to hell in a handbasket. No, we're not. We're not a weak need, feeble church. We're the church triumphant, the church of Jesus Christ that's feet planted upon the solid rock. 
him being the firm foundation. When Zerubbabel was trying to have the temple rebuilt, these oppositions came. And in the natural eye, we know that the same oppositions is coming. We see them. And they seem impossible to overcome. And the faint-hearted, according to the scripture, will be overcome. And the lukewarm will be overwhelmed by these obstacles. Because the Lord said in Luke 21, 14, it's a prophetic word. He said men's hearts are going to fail them because of fear. They're going to get so fearful. They're going to get so dominated by fear. And yet God's promised, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love and the power and of a sound mind. Come on, somebody. He said, but men are going, hearts are going to fear, fail for fear and looking after those things which are coming upon the earth for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. He said, when they see everything that's coming upon the earth and they see the earth being shaken and everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, even the heavens are going to be shaken. He said, when them times come, men are going to fall apart and they're going to fall in fear and their hearts are going to fail on. People are there right now even as I speak. Churches are there, dominated by fear. They're not preaching anything negative because if they do, the government will come after us. I've done been through off Twitter so many times. They, my, who cares? Amen? We're seeing the shakening begin. It's, it, it happened a long time ago. And who would have ever thought we'd see some of the events that's taking place in our time? Who would have ever thought Russia in our time would have took over and invaded Ukraine to set up for the end time to go to Israel? Come on, to fight the Gog and Magog war of revelations. That's where we're at. Are you listening to me? We are seeing the Antichrist spirit rise up in these last days, opposing and trying to stop God from bringing his church age unto completion. He's trying to stop God from ushering in what is known as the kingdom age, or in biblical prophecy, it's called the millennial kingdom. Hallelujah. A time of a thousand year, a reign of Christ, a thousand years of peace. I wish I could preach on that a little bit. He's fixing to come out of the clouds of glory on a white stallion leading a war. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And what's going to be so exciting? Everybody else is going to be on those horses with him coming down, not me. I'm going to be riding on the horse he's riding on. Hallelujah. We're living in a time that he is, the church is being fought to bring the church age to closure because the enemy sees and he knows the prophetic word of the millennial kingdom and he's tried to stop it. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, there's prophetic word over that. It says, and let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come, talking about the sick that come of the Lord, except there come a fallen away first and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as he was God. The same spirit that was resisting Joshua in Joshua chapter three, verse one, is the same spirit that continues until our day to try to hinder, oppose, and fight and stop the completion of God's plan with the church. It is revealed in Joshua 3 and 1 that Satan stood at his right hand to oppose him and to resist him. The enemy was trying to stop Joshua. It is the same spirit that was carried down all the way to the Zerubbabel because the devil is our ancient foe. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal and destroy. He's out to destroy, he's out to rob, he's out to kill, he's out to do everything that he can to make havoc upon our lives. However, the same thing that happened in Zerubbabel's day is also prophesied that it's gonna happen in our day. All of the instruments of warfare that Satan tried to stop the rebuilding of the temple with, God said, they shall be brought low. 
That was a promise to Zerubbabel. And can I tell you this? Though the enemy come in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against them. Can I prophesy to you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Can I tell you that? Amen. Yes, they faced many foes. They faced Sambalat and his companions who opposed them to rebuild that temple. They opposed the rebuilding of the temple because Zerubbabel and Joshua would not make the temple the abode of mixed worship. And that's what they were upset about. If they would have just mixed the worship, they wouldn't have fought. They wouldn't have opposed. That's the temptation of today is to compromise our standard, compromise our belief, and compromise the sweet gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? They would not allow, Joshua and Zerubbabel would not allow the people's own idolatries and images to be worshipped alongside of them worshipping God. And even so, this last day church will refuse to give in to the spirit of this age and it will be a holy, a separated church, not polluted by demonic doctrines of this time. We will not put up with mixed worship and we will not put up with mixed doctrines and we're not gonna have worldly events in the house of God. We will not be politically correct and we will not lay in the same bed with Jezebel. We got a standard. It's called the standard of holiness. Can I have an amen? We will be considered the intolerant church and we are considered the intolerant church and all of the forces of the earth will and is coming against this last day true church just like they did in Zerubbabel's day. However, we know that it was Christ that started the church. He's the one that birthed it from his own side at Calvary. You know, when Adam was created, God looked down and said, I'm gonna make a man, I'm gonna create him. As the Bible says he made man in his own image and his own likeness and he created him and for his own purpose formed a body out of the dust of the earth, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for you to be alone. So he put him to sleep and had surgery on him. Put him down, opened up his side, took out a rib, made him a woman. Made him a bride and come out of the side. And one of the worst mistakes that the enemy ever done was when Jesus was on the cross of Calvary, stretched out paying for the sins of the world. A Roman soldier didn't know what he was doing, but he took him a spear and he went up and he jabbed it in the side of Jesus. And on the side of Jesus came blood and water. And you know what happened? The church was birthed. The bride of Christ. Out of the side of Jesus, upon the cross of Calvary, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the washing of the water of the Word, the church was formed. Can I have an amen? We know that the foundation of the church is laid deep at Calvary, and, and, and which will hold it firm and secure. First Peter 2 and 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. The church is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. What are we all about? Jesus. I told you the story many, many times, and a little boy in Sunday school class, and the little teacher asked him, said, what's furry, got a bushy tail, climbs trees, eats acorns, and builds a nest. He sat there and scratched his head. He said, well, Sounds like a squirrel, but I know it's Jesus because it's Jesus around here for everything. Amen. The church is built upon Jesus Christ. It was Paul that said in 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, for other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid Jesus Christ. It was Peter that linked and united the prophecies of Zechariah 
and the promises concerning the last day church together in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, he ties those two passages together. I don't have time to preach on all that, but I will get, visit verse 4. To whom coming as into a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. What does that mean? Christ came to establish his church, and he came as a lively stone, precious stone, a chosen stone of God, but the world rejected him. They have opposed him, they fought him, they denied him, he came to his own, his own received him not. They have tried to stop him, they tried to keep him from building his church for over 2,000 years, this precious stone. Nevertheless, he built it, he established it, he ordained it, he sent his Holy Spirit and empowered it, and it was through that power that the early church began to be formed and the early church began to be birthed, birthed on Pentecost. And can I tell you, just like in Zerubbabel's day, they could not stop him from rebuilding that temple. Even so, they could not stop Christ from forming and birthing his church. And even though they have tried to stop Christ and oppose him and war against him, listen to what 1 Peter 2 and 8 says. And the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. What does that mean? Jesus never caved in or lost, according to that scripture but he became a stumbling block and a rock of offense to them and he's caused them to stumble who were disobedient. In other words, they could not move him, they could not sway him, they could not control him, they could not overcome him, but they stumbled and they failed. If there's one thing I want you to know, the church is not going to fail. We are a victorious church. Look at somebody and say you're a victor and not a victim, amen? Notice the scripture in 1 Peter 2 and 5. Ye also as a lively stone are built up on a spiritual house as a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. Christ has formed the church, empowered it, gave life to it, and now we are a part of that great movement called the church, you and I. We're born again into it. And this is why it's important to be filled with the spirit so that we can finish well. The way the temple would be built according to Zerubbabel in our text in Zechariah 4 and 6, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. If we're to finish well, we have to be filled with the spirit. One of the things that one of the younger men said to me the other day, he said, man, what scares me is that when you older guys are gone, that the church will quit being Pentecostal. Because in many places of the world, Pentecost is being fought, man. We're, 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 in, we're the intolerant bunch. We're the weirdos. We're, we're the, that remnant of weirdos and, and uh, these fanatics out there. Come on, somebody. Let them call me whatever they want to call me, but one of these days, they're going to call me gone. Can I have an amen? Amen. I wish I was, could sing that Kenny Henson song right now. I'd sing it. Just call me gone. Amen? If we're to finish well, though, we have to have the same spirit that Zerubbabel had. The start of the church was just the dispensation under it. It was the beginning, not the end. When Pentecost came, that was not the end of the power of the apostolic anointing. It was the beginning of it. Amen? Through the Holy Spirit, we now carry on the work that Jesus Christ started through that church. We continue under the manifold grace of God and that's why that in Zechariah's prophecy of the original start, he cries out loud, grace, grace, grace unto it. 
In other words, the same grace that started it is the same grace that sustained it and through the power of the Holy Spirit and it will now be the church that will carry on the work that he begun by grace. It's the grace of God. Just as Zerubbabel had to go in with the undertaking of rebuilding the temple in the face of opposing oppositions, even so you and I are facing the opposing forces in our efforts to bring to completion and finish the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. So the completion, that we're doing that so that the completion of the restoration of the Jewish state can come to, uh, to, its, to its beginning. In other words, Israel cannot go into their time of correction and the tribulation until the church closes out this dispensation church age. The closer we get to the finish, the more opposition that we're gonna face. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring her to a close here. The end time opposition will be greater than any other opposition that the church has ever faced. So that means in order to, if that's gonna happen, then it's gotta be counteracted with one of the greater moves of God that the earth has never seen. You can't overcome the enemy by yourself. This is why we need the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is a Greek word, means paraclete, one alongside of you to help you, to gird you up, to strengthen you, to clothe you, be endued with power from on high. Be clothed with power. That's what Jesus told his disciples. And if we're to have victory, then our confidence must be of the spirit and not in the arm of flesh. It cannot be sustained by the ingenuity of men and it cannot succeed by the intelligence of men. And if we are to be able to ward off the enemy like Zerubbabel did to where nothing could withstand him, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at what the prophecy says concerning the finishing of the temple in Zechariah 4 and 6. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt bring forth the headstones thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace, grace unto it. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of the house, and his hands also will finish it. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said that Isaiah 40 and 4. He gives us a prophecy concerning the victory of the gospel in this church. This is a prophecy. Listen to it. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places will become a plain. The same grace that has started the church and preserved it in all these years is the same grace that will finish it. Just like how that all the obstacles that was before Zerubbabel was removed even so, all of the competing antichrist forces and every obstacle that is preventing the finished work of Christ to be accomplished in these last days will be crushed by the power of our Messiah. Amen? The power of the forces of the enemy will give way to the Holy Ghost-empowered church. Zechariah said, he shall bring forth the headstone of the temple. Now, what does that mean? The headstone is the last stone to be placed. It's the finishing of the temple. It's the finishing touch. And it laid upon the walls of the temple, that headstone did, and notice, when they lay that headstone up there to finish the work, it will become with shoutings. The shoutings is the joyful acclamations that the same God that started his church by grace, and he who continued to sustain it by grace over throughout the New Testament times, he will finish it by grace. It started with favor, it lasted by favor, and it's gonna be finished with favor. The church's greatest days are not behind us, they're ahead of us right now. This shows us that whatever came by grace may in faith be committed to the grace of God because he will not forsake the works of his own hands. 
Let's start walking in favor. It's ours. We are to have the same apostolic anointing that them earlier disciples had. Greater works than these shall we do because he goes to the Father. He sent us the paraclete. He sent us that another comforter. He come alongside of us to equip us, to empower us, to lead us, to guide us, to work through us, to pray through us. Come on, somebody. We are the church triumphant, the New Testament body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's rise up in favor in these last days. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that not only sustains us, but it brings us to maturity and completion. It's time for the church to understand we're not going out weak, we're going out strong. We're going out in a power and great glory. Would you stand with me this morning? I want my elders to line up here fast. Come on, elders, get up here. All of my staff. I don't know how many of you, now face that congregation, you're gonna lay some hands on people and you're gonna believe with me today. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. There's areas in Popper Bluff that have not been penetrated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's, there, there, there are places that's been closed up, locked up for years. There's been places that's not adhered to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. There's old strongholds that's been around lurking and mocking people and keeping people in captivity and in bondage. There's spirits that is, spirit of suicide is rampant in Popper Bluff. Come on. Alcoholism, drugs, and sexual immorality and lust. It's rampant. Rampant. I heard some statistics where someone done their own little poets at our high school. You'd be, you'd be alarmed, and I'm not even gonna say them because I can't remember the exact numbers. I wanna try to find them and bring them out and be completely correct. When they ask them certain questions about their morals and their behaviors and their belief in God, it's unbelievable. We heard, I heard it, and Josh Reasons heard it. Only 4% literacy now in the United States of the Bible. When it used to be 76%, it's down to 4%. Only 4% really understand and can read and come to a, a true understanding of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're wondering why our young people and our new generation cannot have a proper worldview of what needs to happen. They don't understand. Because I want to tell you to understand what needs to take place. You've got to have a biblical concept because all truth lies in Scripture. Come on, somebody. And today we need an apostolic anointing. To have an apostolic anointing is not just to have anointing to lay hands on the sick and recover. That's part of it. It's not just to lay hands on the demon possessed and they're delivered. That's part of it. But it's also to have the boldness and in the face of opposition in the face of adversity, not to be fearful, but to walk in faith and power and consistency before a world and let them see that you're willing to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. And let them also hear you proclaim the wonderful gospel that you have a hope of the reason, uh, you, have a, you have a hope and an answer for the reason that lies within you. That you have a testimony then you're willing to share it. You're willing to proclaim it. You're not afraid to bow your head in public and pray over your meal. You're not afraid to look at somebody and tell them, this is how you can be born again. 
You don't want to you don't want to ask from prayer from me anymore at Walmart or anywhere else because when people come up and say, Hey brother Bill, I want you to be praying about something right in Walmart. I'm gonna grab your hand, I'm gonna pray right there. Amen. Not too long ago, a little lady came up to me and said, I need you to pray over my grandchild, and she was telling me about it. So I just grabbed her hand right there in the restaurant and started praying. She said, what, what? She's all frizzy looking around like, whoa, whoa, what's this man doing? She asked me to pray. Oh, come on, somebody, I'm about to preach again. You want me to pray for you? I'm gonna pray for you. I believe in, in, I believe that I don't have to be me down on my knees begging, trying to earn something from God. I believe all I gotta do is approach God in faith and confidence and assurance and be covered under the blood of the Lamb and say, Father, I need you to work on my behalf and I don't have to sit there and waller for an hour to try to convince him to do it. I ask in faith, believing, and it's done in Jesus' name. Where's our faith at? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidences of things not seen. It's impossible to please God without faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently see. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We're justified by faith. We're saved by faith. Hallelujah. We're overcomers by faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Can I have an amen? And now it's time for the church to rise up in faith. Receive an apostolic anointing of the Holy Ghost and be courageous. Be men and women that are able to step out on nothing and speak the word of God as something and let God work and shake this world under the authority of the command of the child of God that says, mountain, be thou removed and it shall be removed. In Jesus' name. I believe in anointing of oil. You come around my house, if I don't have any olive oil, I'll go out and get me a can of grease and I'll smear it all over your head and we'll pray. Amen. I'll get some cooking oil, I'll get some lard, I'll get some grease, I'll get something. We'll lay hands on you and we'll believe God for you. Well, brother, we do that, but what about, don't give me what about. Don't give me about what about, keep believing. Keep believing, keep pursuing, keep declaring, keep decreeing in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel victory in this house. But, 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 but quit the butt system. We don't need the butt system. But, 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 no, 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 no. It is what it is. God promises, and he's a God that cannot lie. There's one immutable thing for sure. God is truth. He's faithful. He cannot lie. And this morning, it's not time to be downhearted. We're being fought, my family being fought. Lord have mercy. I can, if I told you everything, you'd begin to feel sorry for me, but I want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to have faith with me. We don't need pity, we need, we need confidence and power. Amen? Everywhere I turn, man, we're getting slapped up one side and now the other. And sometimes, me and Jenny will talk, she says, why do you think all that is? The greater the battle means the greater the move of God. There's a reason why he's coming against us. Huh? because there's things God's doing that I can't see even, but he sees it. That ancient foe sees it. God gave me a, a vision. I'm not a man of much visions, but this vision came to my mind and it's just as clear. And it was about a last day movement. And I've seen countries all over the world where he's just, it's just been 
dark, bad. I'm talking about demonic stronghold captive stuff. And God began to show me light springing up everywhere. And God began to show me that all those ancient foes that comes over here and jumps on my back, he can't stay there very long because when he does, he's losing ground over here. You know, there's one thing I want you to understand, God's omnipresent. He never has to leave me to go secure somebody else. God can be blessing Gary and Tim Buck too and Kent Miller and Papa Bluff at the same time. But the enemy's not omnipresent. Come on. The enemy will come over here and start making havoc on this little old gal. And all of a sudden, God's Holy Spirit that never left old Joe over here, I begin to bless Joe and the enemy, oh, oh, I gotta get over there. And the enemy will run over here and say, man, I gotta put this fire out. And then when he begins to try to put this fire out and start afflicting, guess what happens? God who never left over here begins to bless over here. Ah, are you getting the picture? So the more you let God bless you, the more of a thorn you are on the side of the enemy and the enemy's running. That's why the Bible says he's running to and fro throughout the earth. He's trying to stop what God's doing. <laughs> but the more of us get on fire, we're just gonna run that ragged dude. We're gonna run that dude ragged. Amen. There's a move in our land. Notice it. Be a partaker of it. Open your eyes. Get involved. Commit to the cause. Get equipped. Get empowered. Get vision. Get drive. Get passion. Oh, God. Because if we don't, we'll become that church that will become fearful. We'll be bound by fear. We'll compromise our beliefs. Ichabod will be rolled over the door and we'll have mixed worship that'll destroy and kill the church. Amen? High five. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you want an apostolic touch, I want you to get up here and let these people pray for you. Oh, they don't have to pray long. Just have them anoint you with oil, pray over you, and then get out of the way, get you a place to worship, and allow other people to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Would you do that right now? In Jesus' holy name. Lord, grant your apostolic anointing upon your people. Right now in Jesus' name. Right now in the name of Jesus. Apostolic anointing, God. Apostolic anointing. Come on, church, respond to the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now ask God to fill you with the Spirit this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, lay hands on them, folks. Pray for fire to fall on their heads. Pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Pray for healing the bodies.